Hello and welcome to another edition of Tour Top. I'm Gav Mack and I'm joined by We Are West Ham fan podcaster James Jones. How are you, James? Very good, thanks, Gav. How are you? I'm very well, very well, thank you. Thanks for joining me on the show. Uh, before we go any further, we go through all the housekeeping as always. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel at Two Up Top Football. Support, uh, sorry, not that Two Up Top Football, we've changed it, haven't we? At youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Two Up Top Football. And make sure you download Soccer Manager 2021 on the 14th of September. It's available on the App Store and on Google Play. Um, we are West Ham. We are underscore West Ham is his handle. Uh, there it is. There, so all you West Ham fans, make sure you follow and subscribe to his stuff, and we'll get that running along the bottom of the page so everyone will be able to find out who you are. Right, James, West Ham, what's going on? Um, where do you want me to start? <laughs> do you want me to start them this summer or about five years ago when it all started? Five years ago, I thought it would be going a bit longer than that. But um, wow. where, where, where should we where should we begin? Should we start with um, with Golden Golden Sullivan? Oh, okay, so, right. Um, yeah, on already. It's it, at the moment. It's the whole club is is a complete shambles. Um, to put it bluntly, um, they moved us into that stadium. You know, everyone knows that all the problems that that brought in terms of, you know, it's got a running track around there, the seats are miles away from the pitch, it's nothing like Upton Park, it wasn't what they promised fans it would be like, you know, well, they called it a world-class stadium for a world-class team. Um, and we bought into it for, you know, up until the move, we were like, yeah, brilliant, you know, you know, if, if we're going to get into Champions League, like you say, you know, you're going to do, and bearing in mind that we, we just missed out on finishing the top four in our last season at Upton Park, yeah, of course. Yeah, we yeah, really felt we really felt that actually this stadium move might just be the making for making of us. Um, it just wasn't, it, and you know it's been well publicised how much of a, a tragic stadium migration it's become, and and mm-hmm. since then it's just been it's just been bad decision after bad decision, lie after lie, um, broken promise after broken promise from the board, um, mm-hmm. countless poor recruitment. Uh, barring one or two and um, here we are now going into a season having not made a single signing uh, and setting out our best young player barring Declan Rice who will probably go anyway yeah, how does that go down with West Ham fans? Because I know I saw the tweet from from Mark Noble. He was very vocal about losing Dean Garner, and he had a great season as well uh, at West Brom last year. And I know that there was a, a difference between the Championship and the Premier League, but did he have the minerals to to turn it on for West Ham? Well, the fans certainly thought so. David Moyes certainly thought so as well. Um, you know, b- before pre-season training started, um, and I know it was a really quick turnaround, but, you know, he was going, I want to build a young, hungry team here at West Ham. And, you know, there was talk that he'd, he had plans for Dean Garner once he'd come back from West Brom. And and then in the three pre-season appearances that he made for West Ham, Dean Garner, I think he set up all three goals of Hallis Hattrick against Ipswich. Yeah. Um, Haller actually came out after that game and said I can't wait to play with this guy he's going to be brilliant he's going to set up all my goals um, the club's tweeting pictures of Dingon in training going this guy's on fire and pictures of him and Jared Bowen going imagine these two ripping it up next season and fans are like brilliant you know we've actually got a young winger from our academy he's gone on you know he's, he's, he's proved himself in a championship um, promote, promotion winning side mm. um and now he's going to prove it, prove it in the Premier League with us. And instead, three days after all, all that bigging him up, he's sold to West Brom for 18 million quid. And the fans are like, 
what are you doing? Um, and you know, we, we've reliably told that David Moyes isn't happy about that. You know, he wanted he wanted him with the squad. Obviously, Mark Noble was not happy because he's tweeted about it, and a lot of the players aren't happy about it. So it hasn't gone down well. It's been a bit of a PR disaster for the club. Yet another one. Um, and the fans are just it, they're, they're at a breaking point now. I don't think it can be it can be repaired that relationship anymore now. How do the players then find the trust back in the in the board? Because it's clear if the manager isn't very happy about this, and the players are verbally outspoken about the decision as well, how do the how do the team, the on field guys, then sort of restore their faith in the club and what's happening at board level? Well, I don't think they they really need to, um, as long as they've got you know full faith in in the manager. Who's picking the, picking them and, and you know picking the tactics and you know and cheering them up every day in training? Then I don't think they really need to have much faith in, in 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 the board. I mean, a lot of people might disagree with that, but you know, it's David Morris is the one that's picking the team and, and winning football matches or trying to at least. And it seems as though the players or the most influential players are on the fan side, and you know, and I think that will could work in our favour. Um, mm-hmm. Given that it's now the players, the fans, and the manager against the board, and you know, before it's always felt like it was just the fans against the board and the players and the manager all kind of caught in the middle. Um, so yeah, they've kind of you know they've nailed their colours to the mast. You know we know you know what side they're on. And I don't I don't think they need a relationship with them. The only, the only time they need a relationship with them is if you know, they want to leave the club and they're going to rely on the owners to, to to get rid of them. But at the moment. It seems like you know all the players are on our side and, and ready to play, albeit a day after all that happened, they got battered by Bournemouth in a friendly. So uh, <laughs> I say all that, but no one knows what's going to happen. <laughs> hey, look, the Arsenal lost three two to to Villa in a friendly. It's a friendly. It doesn't matter. Yeah, does it? Matter. So we get over it, don't we? But um, but yeah, it's I find I find West Ham a little bit like Everton in a way. High levels of frustration. Not real. Not any real idea of direction, you know, the money that's been spent of late for West Ham, it's been, it's been, it's been a bit weird, hasn't it? You know, the, the, I like the idea of Suchek staying. I think that's a steal because I thought he had a brilliant season last year. And Jared Bowen, I think he will come good. I think he will, but... He's had a good pre-season, Jared Bowen. Yeah, he has. And to be fair, he looked quite energetic in the, in the, in the end of last season as well, the games that he did feature in. But you haven't got like a decent, decent out-and-out striker. And any time you do sign a striker, they don't really, they don't really step up to the plate. I mean, like your last, your highest goal scorer last year was Mikel Antonio. What is it? What is it? What is Mikel Antonio's best position? <laughs> no one knows. I don't even think he knows either. To be fair, Stephen um, Turner, right back, left back, centre mid, centre yeah. forward. You know, I've, the only place I don't think he's played is in goal for West Ham. I mean. That'll probably come. All it takes is a Fabianski red card and in he goes. And then he goes. <laughs> but yeah, um, he's, he's a key player for you, I feel. And especially the, the goals towards the end of the season kept you in the Premier League as far as I'm concerned. But what? who, who, else, who else is stepping up to the plate for West Ham at the moment? Who's, who's getting the, like the, like grabbing the, the, the game by the scruff of its neck other than him and... I wouldn't even say Nigel's really doing it at the moment. Who, who, who else is there to say, right, come on, we are West Ham, we're going to do something here? I mean, th- there are a few in there that, that, that genuinely care about, you know, about the performances and about playing for the club. And, you know, 
we've already spoken about Jared Bowen has arrived at the club. He's only been been here for a short period of time, but um, he's just getting his head down and he's playing and he's putting in good performances uh, in what what might what must be quite a difficult environment for uh, a newcomer at the club. Uh, Suchek is exactly the same. Um, Declan Rice is, is obviously the big one. Will you know? Will lead by example at such a young age from midfield. And you know, you, you mentioned Mark Noble there, but I think Mark Noble is, is a different type of influence now. He was an influence on the pitch, and you know, in some ways, he still is. But he's more of a, a dressing room influence now. You know, he's get, coming towards the end of his career. He's got one year left on his contract. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he might extend it. He won't play for anyone else. If he doesn't, he'll probably retire. But he's more of a you know, David Morris is relying on him to keep the players happy in, in the dressing room, GM up before games, and, and make sure everyone's happy. And, and that he does that to a very, very good standard. Yeah. Um, but then the rest, you know, there are a lot of players that have sort of been at the club for a while that you know you'd hope would be putting in the performances that you know you'd need them to put in when the club's under a little bit of pressure, particularly last season when we were in a relegation battle for most of the season. Mm. You know, players like Aaron Cresswell has been really poor for the last two years. Well, it um, disappoints me because I like Cresswell. Exactly, it's a Diop who had a really good first season and flagged off a little bit last year. Although you know he did have some good performances. Well, he's um, linked with the move to, to, to Chelsea, wasn't he? Fifty million. He was. He was, and, and now you know he, he, he won't get a move to Chelsea. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know you've got the likes of Frederick. So yeah, he was a free transfer, but hasn't really done it. Um, and, and then Haller up top. You know, you mentioned the strikers. It's not his fault. He's a very, very good striker. But we always we have a thing about fine strikers and they're never playing to their strengths. Yeah, and he's not the only one we've done that with. You know, there's that old that running joke where I think under Golden Sullivan we've we've signed like 50 strikers and they've scored a combined like like 100 goals or something like that, which isn't true. You know I did actually have that stat as well, and I remember when I first heard it, and I was I was I was driving, so I heard it on on the radio. I was driving, and I was saying, "Oh yeah, we spent they've spent X amount, and they've done this." And I was like, "No, can't be serious." I come on when I researched it, and I was like, "They've actually got it bang on the money," and I, it was it was ridiculous. Um, Jack Underwood, who is from the Armchair Pundits podcast, he's watching the show. Thanks for watching. Um, he's said, "What do you think the Hammers need to do to get back on track?" Good question. Um, where, the, where, is, where, where is the track first? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's around the pitch. Um, <laughs> um, it's a good question, uh, Jack. I think uh, we've been asking ourselves this for a while. Uh, the general feeling amongst fans is that there has to be a change of ownership at the club. Mm. Um, as we've already established and we've already mentioned, you know, the owners have lost the fans. By, by all accounts, they've now lost some of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and after everything that's happened over the last five years, I don't see us pushing on and becoming the club that we were promised that we were going to be when we moved into that stadium and the potential that we have. You know, we've got a 60,000 seat stadium exactly. in, in London. You know, we're an attractive proposition for potential new investors, but also players still in the Premier League, just. Um, but it just needs new ownership with uh, some new ideas, um, some little bit, you know, just a little bit, just something different from up top, you know, a little bit more ambition because I think they've taken us as far as they can, and I think they're refusing to really admit that at the moment and being a little bit stubborn. So, if there's no change of ownership, West Ham aren't going to improve for me. I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I 
really like West Ham's ground and I love the location. One of our best pals used to live in one of the high-rise towers. Literally, you could see the stadium. Yeah. Um, it, it, beautiful apartment, beautiful stadium looking down on it as well. But one particular day I went to go down and see, I went down to see him. This is when, when Huddersfield was still in the Premier League and I was looking for a ticket and the ticket would have been at the back, which is not a problem, would have been there. A Monday night game. West Ham versus Huddersfield, and they wanted £55 for it. Yeah. What? what? Yeah. How, 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 can, I mean, how, how can you, how can that, that doesn't compute with me. Now, if I, I'm an Arsenal fan, right, and people will moan about Arsenal ticket prices all day, but if I want to go see a Category C game, which would have been a Huddersfield, I'll be paying 30 quid. So how can they get away with charging so much? It's it's a difficult one, um, and you know we brought this up before with the, with the club because um, they they, they re- kept telling us when we're just doing the, sort of the move that you know we have the cheapest season tickets in the Premier League. Mm. Um, I think there are ticket uh, that that's still that's actually a fact. I think some of them go for like two three hundred quid, but you you're right up in the gods. Um, so I mean, some some of us are like, well, perhaps they're now up in match day tickets to kind of supplement that. But then they are taking more season tickets every year than they were before, so yeah. they shouldn't really need to do that. But um, it, the way I see it, it's greed. It, that's all it is. Um, we don't really see a lot of that reinvested, especially having this summer. But no one really knows. It's you know, but uh, there are other clubs that will charge ridiculous prices. For category C, category D games, yeah. and it, yeah, I mean it's a difficult one to answer, really. Um, what are the attendance figures? Like? So I was actually going to ask that question anyway, but Liam Phoenix is watching the show; he's just asked that question himself. So, yeah, what are what are the attendance figures like? Is he selling out most games? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, at the beginning we were, but you know, it all depends on what the, what the teams do on the pitch, and I think that probably goes for most clubs. Um, we are actually only licensed to our fifty-seven thousand capacity at the moment. Yeah, uh, when we moved in, it was fifty-five, uh, and then we had to apply for more. I think it was like health and safety regulations and stuff like that we had to meet before we could expand. Yeah, um, but most—I mean, the figures we get—and you know, this is an Arsenal fan. The figures we get, we we do question in terms. You look <laughs> look around and go, "This day is definitely ain't a sellout." <laughs> definitely ain't a sellout. And then the following morning, it's like, "Yeah, fifty-nine, the uh, fifty-seven thousand eight hundred. It's like, no, no, no. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, All I mean, right, I saw yeah. I saw more than two hundred seats empty, you know. But um, yeah, it, it's normally sort of in the fifty-five, fifty-fifty-five mark. I would have thought from a from a true like actual being there and seeing it point of view. But you'll get close to maximum capacity in the the official figures, as it were. Mm. We're like we're um, you're about to embark on your ninth season in the back in the Premier League, but I just want to go through some league positions here, which I've got scribbled down here. So the twelve thirteen um, season was when you came back, tenth, then you then it was thirteenth, twelfth, seventh European qualification, eleventh European qualification, thirteenth, tenth, sixteenth. It's so inconsistent and. That, I think that's what the issue is with West Ham at the moment. You know, after you beat Man United at the beginning of last season, mm-hmm. you put you, I think you put you fourth. And don't get me wrong, it was only six games in, but just the performances that you were putting in after, because the first game of the season it was a, it was a bit of a, a bit of a hammering against Man City, and then you turned it round and 
you actually looked a bit more solid and looked more yeah. comfortable on the ball. Like players were actually asking for the ball. They wanted to be involved in it. So how, where, did the, where did the mentality change? What, what happened in that sort of period between sort of like October and Christmas? Um, yeah, I think we went, uh, I think it was seven games unbeaten after that defeat to City on the opening day. Mm. And we were, all, we were all thinking, well, here we go. Like Pellegrini by this point st- still in charge and we thought he's, he's, he's cracked it. Um, and then Fabianski got injured and Roberto went in goal. And I mean, anyone that remembers Roberto, like just, like just calamity. He, he was worse than any goalkeeper you've ever seen, any bad goalkeeper you've ever seen in the Premier League. I think against Bournemouth, one hundred percent, he caught the ball from a corner and chucked it in his own goal. Yeah, and it was like I think he scored like two or three own goals, and it's and it was that moment, that moment. Um, I think the away at Bournemouth and Fabianski got injured. Roberto came on, I think it was that game, and um, it all just went downhill from there. And it, it ended up with exposing Pellegrini and the, his director of football, Hoselos, um, in, in terms of the quality or the lack of quality of players that they brought in. Because yeah. Roberto, everyone was looking at Roberto going, he brought him in, like, what's going on here? Like, he's letting us down. Yeah. Um, and that was it, and it ended up him losing his job. And then by then, you, you're crawling back, you're in the bottom three, you're, you're four or five points adrift, and you're, you're fighting. And then David Moyes comes in um, and eventually keeps us up. Um, but it was all, it, everyone, every West Ham fan will pinpoint to the moment Fabianski got injured that, that free for all because we were, we were doing really well up until that point. You were, yeah, definitely. Um, some big results. You beat, uh, you beat Chelsea. Um, beat United. Um, you know, you just got some really important mm. victories when 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 they were needed as well. So, mm. um, what were your thoughts on Pellegrini initially when he first came in, and then how it panned out when when he first came in? What was what was the what was the vibe like around West Ham? I think it was a bit of a mixed reaction. Um, a lot of fans, after he came in after Moyes left the first time, and um, a lot of the fans were calling, calling for like a, a so-called big name manager to come in and and take the reins. And they were already calling for better recruitment. So they were get, you know, David Sullivan's been in charge of transfers, bringing a director of football, um, and so and they did that. And they director of football came in. Uh, Pellegrini came in. They spent 100 million quid. The likes of Felipe Anderson arrived, uh, Yarmolenko and Issa Diop and players like that. And we thought, here we go, finally spending money. We got, you know, we got a Premier League winning manager. Um, and I think he led us to ninth in his first season. And by no means was it perfect that first season, but we were ninth. Um, no relegation battle in sight. We thought, okay, cut the mid-table finishes under Pellegrini, then we can push on. Yeah. And then, as, as you just said, it all went wrong in that in that second season. And it, him and his mate upstairs, Husilos, got got exposed very very quickly. And yeah, it just it was never gonna never gonna work after that. It's so difficult for teams outside, like fans of teams outside the traditional top four, top six, because you automatically, not in a bad way, but you automatically will be happy with a with a fifth place if you get there, or or you know a, a top half finish and just continuously finishing in the top half but when Leicester go on and win the, champ- win, the, win the title it's now given every team that air of belief mm-hmm. and when you do get a manager who has won a Premier League to come in you think hold on a minute something might 
something might work here and we might actually be able to believe a little bit, you know, let's why not go out and try and push for a top four or at worst case scenario, top six and get yourself into the Europa League and mm. that might attract a different type of player, different name that will be able to take you on to the next level. And I feel like players like Felipe Anderson, when he came in, he was a massive coup because he was doing bits in Italy. So to get such a, a name like him, did you feel at that point that was, even Payet, even Dimitri Payet, did you feel at that point that was your opportunity to then say, right, we might actually be able to get a top four on a good, in a good season or a fifth place or an FA Cup? I don't think so. I think Payet, Payet was a different one because he came in um, in that summer before that last season at Upton Park and he, he did nearly um, <clears throat> lead us to to the top four. We, we ended that season four points off fourth, but we kind of... Yeah, you came seventh, but it doesn't tell the full story. Yeah, because you're right, you were only, yeah, four, four, four points. points off. And I think in those last three games, we'd lost to Swansea and Stoke and beaten Man United. Yeah. So had we beaten the, the ones that everyone expected us to, to, the teams we'd expected us to beat, then we would have finished in the top four and we'd have been a championship club going into London Stadium. But it didn't work. And But I still think that even when the likes of Anderson arrive, Pellegrini comes in as manager, you do think this could be our moment. But at the same time, it, a lot of people forget that it's so difficult to break into that top six, let alone the top four. I mean, we came so close to finishing the top four, but still finished outside the top six yeah. uh, that year. Um, and, you know, Sheffield United saw it last year you know, they they looked like they were going to finish in the top six but towards the end tailed off a little bit and mm. a lot of that's down to just to the size of squads experience uh, things like that and yeah I mean it's it's so difficult for clubs like West Ham Everton to, to break in and then stay there you might get like, something like Leicester they've done really well they've managed to stay in and, in and around there Mm. Um, but even then, last year they tailed off. They looked like they were going to finish. Well, they, the yeah, top they fell off. Like, then, I didn't understand what they happened to them at all because you know you put your house on them finishing top four. Yeah, and yeah, it's just a once again, it's just that little bit of bit of know how, bit of bit of experience almost that that sort of let them down. Um, Moyes came back to the club. Did you want him to leave in the first place? I think. It's a difficult question because he certainly deserved to stay given that he kept us up and that was his remit. He, he was brought in to keep us in the Premier League um, and a lot of people felt that uh, although they didn't particularly want a manager like David Moyes at the club, um, they wanted that big name manager. They also mm. thought it was quite unfair the way they just went, yeah, thanks Dave, off you go mate, we're bringing Manuel Pellegrini in now, he's going he's gonna to finish the yeah. job off sort of thing. Um but then when they go back to him after Pellegrini's gone, the, the feeling was like, you're not taking the mick now. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, it's like, come on. Like, you didn't think he was good enough the last time. Why do you now think he's good enough? And it was like they've gone back to him with a towel between their legs going, oh, sorry, David. Can you yeah, come back mate. and save us again? Um, so this year, like, he, he, this is his first proper pre-season with West Ham because the last two times he's arrived in the winter. Yeah. Um, and I think... No one's really got an issue with David Moyes in charge anymore. You know, I think he's always said the right things. Um, it's just about whether he's actually backed upstairs, and at the moment he hasn't been um, this summer. But I think a, a lot of West Ham fans feel quite positive about what he could potentially do with us um, if given the right resources. Yeah. So, um, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking, James? 
32, mate. 32. I was the same sort of age as me. Um, so, what, what, what's your earliest memories of West Ham? Where? Take me back to your childhood. How did it? How did it all come around? Um, yeah, my, my 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 first memory of going to West Ham. My dad was hell bent on me being a West Ham fan uh, growing up, and he took me to a game when I was very young. I must have been about three. Yeah. And um, against my mum's wishes, um, and she, he dragged her along. With, with him as well um, and I think we played Norwich we won 4-0 but it was so loud every time we scored I cried every time we scored <laughs> so just like the, the big crowds and, and stuff like that and yeah that's my that's my earliest memory and I remember he always said to me um, he said if you ever come home and tell me you're a Tottenham fan you'll be homeless <laughs> and he kind of he kind of scared me into being a West Ham fan obviously I don't mind now although it is quite depressing at times <laughs> most of the time but um, yeah he was that hell bent that he took me to a game and I pretty much cried the entire time and then he sort of scared me into being a West Ham fan don't be a Spurs fan which you know I'm grateful for but yeah, um, but yeah that's that, those yeah those are my early, early memories and obviously then before I know it I'm going with them every week and I can't wait to go um, what were your what your sort of like um, like how how did you feel that you were like in the nineties? I know because they were a bit of a, a bit yo yo in the nineties as well in terms of league position. You know there was um, just having a look at some some tables here um, mid table ish finish in the in like the mid nineties. Then you got to eighth, got to fifth um, in in ninety eight ninety nine. You know that's when um, the king Ian Wright. Left, left the Arsenal, went over to you lot. Um, he was top scorer, goal scorer that year, actually, um, with, with nine goals. But prior to yeah. that, was, was John Hartson. Johnny Hartson left Arsenal, went went your way. 24 goals he scored that season um, in 97 98. There's not mm-hmm. been a striker since, but West Ham for me always were that sort of, um, you know, it's almost like, like the nice version of Wimbledon. In a way, you know, because like Wimbledon was just a bunch of reprobates, wasn't it? That yeah. All just turned up, you know, whenever they fancied, and off they went. And I didn't feel that West Ham were reprobates, but they would, they, they, they were just a little bit like rough around the edges, and will still turn up and, and, and give you guys a, a, you know, give give the the fans a bit of entertainment. That's what I felt of West Ham. Yeah, I think uh, particularly in the nineties, um, mid nineties, and towards the end um, of that decade. It was a good time at the club, you know. It wasn't perfect off the pitch, but you know, Redknapp in charge, and we had, you know, that the golden, the golden era of the academy coming through. Mm. Uh, lots of Joe Cole and Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand, um, uh, Michael Carrick, and, and, and players like that all coming through. And we finished fifth, got into the Intertoto Cup, won that, no problem. Uh, mm. And you know, and then, but then Harry Redknapp left, and there was you know Terry Brown as owner, and then he sold us to. Uh, bit of the biscuit baron in Iceland, <laughs> who almost bankrupted us, and yeah. it kind of it, it all kind of the, the downfall kind of started when Harry Redlap left. You know, he had us in a good place. Yeah, okay, we weren't challenging for any trophies or anything like that, but we were we were comfortably Premier League. We were churning out good youngsters every week or every season through the academy, and you know we were you know we had some good rivalries, and yeah, we, we probably were a nicer version of Wimbledon. Um, and a better, better version of Wimbledon as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll throw that one. Yeah, I'll, 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 let, I'll let you have that one. I'll let you. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, in my memories, like the the late nineties, early two thousands, are probably the, the golden era of my lifetime at West Ham. Definitely. Yeah. Um, 
2002-3 season was the year of the demise. It's annoying because the year before that he came seventh, so I would have thought it might have been an opportunity to push on again, you know, that, that sort of transition period again. But he went down. Um, it wasn't, well, it clearly wasn't the greatest season because, because of the relegation, but was that, was that sort of like an end of an era or was it, was it a lot of frustration? You know, how, how, what was it, what was the feeling like then? It was, it was frustrating because as, as you said, we'd, we'd finished seventh the season before and you, you really felt that, you know, we could push on or at least, you know, have a bit of consistency. Um, yeah. and in my lifetime, we've never followed up a good season with another good season. Um, if you actually look down the list of list of seasons since '88 when I was born, there's never been a seventh, seventh, eighth, ninth. You know, it's always been seventh, fifteenth, tenth, sixteenth. You know, it's always been up and down. Um, but yeah, that's joy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I think that that season was was hard to take because we had a good good squad there. You know, mm. we had you know uh, Michael Carrick in midfield. We had Joe, uh, Joe Cole, Paolo De Cani up front. Glenn Johnson had just broken yeah. into the team. Um, we had, we had, I think it was Les Ferdinand was still playing for the club. So he was up front, and uh, David James in goal, and, and players like mm. that. And it was a good team, uh, but for some reason it didn't it didn't work, and uh, went down on the final day away at Birmingham. Uh, we needed to win, and we could only muster a draw. So. And then, but we all expected, yeah, we'll come straight back up. We're too good to go down. Um, and it was that year as well that I think we went down with the most ever points for a club to be relegated. It was 43 points. 40, yeah, 40. Let's have a look. Let's see if I've got some bits there. What, four, 42 points. 42 points. So, I mean... Because the, all, it's the magic 40, isn't it? You think, exactly, oh, if we get yeah. to 40 points, we'll be fine. But, exactly. yeah. And we, just, we just expected, right, we'll come straight back up. And then yeah. following year, um, we're losing the player final to, to Palace. Mm. And to do it all over again. Again, Neil Shipley scored the winner that day. I mean, I've never been so embarrassed in my life. Um, but I met yeah. Neil Shipley. Um, he, I used to referee, and um, he was the gaffer at North Greenford. Yeah. yeah. And um, his, his assistant manager was Mark Nichols. Remember Mark Nichols? He had about yeah. four minutes of, of game time for Chelsea and thought yeah, he was, yeah. uh, he's, he was the king. And um, yeah, I, I was I was assistant referee that day <laughs> in that game. And the referee, he was a pal of mine, so I won't throw him under the bus, but I'll be honest with you, he weren't having the greatest game. And he was storming towards our change room at half-time. And I was thinking, right, think fast, think fast, think fast. And I went to him, I was like, excuse me, mate, are you Neil Shipley? And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I actually was a sticker when I was in my 1995 album. Literally just nullified everything. And Neil Shipley oh, went man. from up here down to there. I was like, Whew. I said to the ref, I was like, man, I've just saved your skin, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Oh, God. Um, so West Ham bounced back up um, the following, the, the season after. Um, and, yeah, our, you know, Carlos Tevez, Mascherano, what, yeah. what was the vibe like then? I, I look back then and cause we came back up in 2005, didn't we? And then mm. um, we had a year and then Tevez arrived, I think it was. Tevez and Mascarano arrived off, after that first year, actually second year back up. And, yeah. Um, I look back now and it's a really bizarre situation. Like, obviously, we know the, the consequences of what happened, but like, even I look back now the day it all happened and I still can't believe it that those, those two world-class Argentinian football internationals just rock up at West Ham. 
<laughs> sandwiching Alan Pardew at the tunnel, like, and he, he ain't got a clue what's happened either. He's got a <laughs> um, but then, but then we couldn't work it out because Tevez couldn't score. Like for ages, he just couldn't score. Yeah. Grano was kept out of the team by Hayden Mullins. Ships him out on loan to Liverpool in, in January because he couldn't get a game because Aidan Mullins was too good and it was like what is going on here and <laughs> and then and then Tevez starts scoring until the end of the year end of the season I think he scored seven in his last twelve appearances and, and kept us up but yeah just mental season you know Alan Kirby comes in and saves us but wow like look back and go what was all that about but it's never about West Ham. Oh, no, no, it's not. I mean, like, it all sort of kicked off the end of that season because of the Sheffield United situation. Yeah, yeah. It, it, did you think they had a bit of a leg to stand on? No, not Sheffield United. Um, because about three weeks before they were relegated, um, and a lot of people forget this, uh, they played West Ham at Bramall Lane mm. and battered us 3-0. Carlos yeah. Tevez played 90 minutes that day. Um, so... Um, he didn't have that much of an influence, did he? And all they had to do, all they had to do was beat um, Wigan on the last day. Yeah. Um, and they lost to a David Unsworth winner, who they sold to Wigan about four months earlier. So, sorry, sorry, Sheffield <laughs> United, it was, you, it was your fault. You know, if you didn't sell David fault. Unsworth, then you know you might have stayed up. So yeah, that, it is what it is. Um, message to, message to Sheffield United from James Jones. It's your fault. They got their money though. They got, they got their money in the end. You know, they got the high court forces to pay pay out, um, and now they're a better club than we are. So they probably have a laugh. Yeah. Um, where Where do you think? What, what, what? Let's bring it back to sort of nowadays. And you know, the new season's just about to start. Um, most teams will have that level of excitement. What is their excitement at West Ham? No. <laughs> but, and that's that's me being like completely honest. No, there's yeah. no excitement. There was towards uh, the beginning of the summer. Um, mm-hmm. There was feeling that you know we, we were linked with some good players, like so Ollie Watkins in the yeah. Villa, Jamal Lewis gone to Newcastle for peanuts. Mm-hmm. Even lots of Callum Wilson and players like that. We thought, okay, spend a bit of money, bring some players in, sell a bit of the dead wood. But you know we've got Dean Garner coming back. He's going to be brilliant. He's done it well last year and. Don't sell Declan Rice. He's still he's still knocking about, but we're worried we'll sell him. And we thought, no, this could this could turn out well. David Moyes is saying all the right things. This could turn out well. And we ended last season four games unbeaten, playing very yeah. well. Yeah, actually played some really nice football. Yeah, and we thought here we go. Um, but we say that every summer it just never works. But um, but now our evidence happened in the last ten days, week to ten days. Mm. Um, and the fact that Newcastle will be part of the weekend have have signed. All of the players that we were linked with, <laughs> and um, Callum, yeah, Wilson, Callum, <laughs> Callum Wilson came out and said, oh, "I can't wait to play against West Ham with Davy. I love scoring against them." And it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> right, yeah, cheers. Um, so yeah, like we're not, we're not. You struggle to find a West Ham fan that's looking forward to Saturday eight o'clock. Let's put it that way. Oh God! Um, you mentioned getting rid of some of the dead wood. Who, who, who do you class as dead wood? Who do you want to see out the door? Well, this is no disrespect to these guys because, um, you know, it's not their fault really that they've been injured, but like Jack Wilshire, um, mm. a lot of people 
slack him off, um, which I think is quite harsh because they don't want to be injured every week. Um, no, it's never, you, you don't become a professional footballer to, footballer to be injured. Um, it's just it's just been unlucky. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think given the ways, I think he's an underground a week and he's played in what, two years, like 15, 15 games and they're not yeah, even in four nine minutes. Um, so you know, we're trying to get ship, it, ship him out but no one's going to pay that money. Um, his wages, uh, the likes of, uh, I wanted to see us ship, ship some players out, but replace them with better players. The likes, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. The likes of Fredericks, um, Masuaku potentially, although he can do a job every now and then. Um, yeah. Manuel Blanzini, bless him, since he got that ACL a couple of years ago, not yeah, been the same not player. The same player. Um, yeah. And you know, we absolutely adore him, but the feeling is like maybe he needs a move just to try and rekindle his career because he's still really young, twenty six, I think. No, 27. Oh, I didn't realise he was still as young as that. I, mean, I, yeah. like, I remember when he first came on the scene, I was thinking, oh, this kid's all right. And, yeah. you know, then he picked him up. I was thinking, you know, he's not, oh, I wish that mean a bit of business here. But, yeah, you're right. Since that injury, it's so difficult to come back from any injury anyway, any serious injury. But ACL is probably one of the worst ones. There's not many players that come back um, even as good as they were before with such a serious injury like that. Yeah, it came. He's been called up to the Argentina squad for the World Cup, and it came yeah. in training. I think about I think it was about a week before the tournament was going to start, and um, he was he was going to be playing the World Cup for Argentina. Uh, and then that happened, and I just yeah. it was so gutted for him because he's not been the same since. Um, mm. But you know, hopefully he's, he's done okay in pre-season. So you know, we might see a little bit of him again. But I wouldn't have minded if we'd have sold him, just because. I just want him to go and have a good career and I feel as if he might be a little bit held back at West Ham now. I don't know, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, um, replacement-wise, I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to turn around and say, right, James, you've got an open checkbook because that won't happen at West Ham. But who realistically out there, um, no offence to West Ham or West Ham fans, but let's, let's just be honest here. You know, you're not going to be able to go out and go get you know, someone from a high top-end club, no matter how much money you, you throw at a Bayern or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid, you know, but if you've, you've, you're going out there to get realistic targets, who would you say, you know, three players, say, to come into West Ham and improve improve your side, who would you be looking at? It's a difficult one to sort of name names because most of them have been have been bought by other clubs this, this summer. Um, we we're okay going forward. You know, we've got the attacking strength. Even without Dean Garner, we've got plenty of wingers. We've got, you know, plenty of guys that can play up front and score goals. Um, mm. And even our midfield, you know, Sutek's you know pretty dangerous. Scored three towards the end of last year. Scored three in pre-season. Um, mm-hmm. But defensively, that's where we need work. Um, yeah. Particularly, particularly uh, right back and left back. Um, Cresswell's not been the same player. Uh, since he picked up a bad injury about three years ago. Yeah. Uh, Fredericks, touch and go. One good week, one bad week. Masawaku doesn't know how to defend, but can go forward. But, I mean, Rico Henry is one that I'd like to see us go for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted, I really wanted us to go for Jamal Lewis, but um, Newcastle beat, beat us to it. Um, I mean, it's difficult to really name names. I just want us to... I want I want a mix of young players, you know, particularly in the championship. You know, we've got a good record of buying from the championship. Yeah. Um, but then also a little bit of experience. You know, look at some of the 
uh, mid-table or, or clubs, maybe even the clubs that have gone down or mid-table t- top eight clubs and see whether, you know, any of those players up for sale because, you know, they're still good players. Yeah, of course. Um, but then you look at some of the players that clubs in and around us have, have signed. Um, Sheffield United have, have done pretty well. Um, I think they signed Bogle from Derby, who's a good player. I think mm. Sheffield United bought him. Um, Newcastle have done good business with Ryan Fraser was on a free transfer like yeah, what's going on there yeah. Um, so yeah it's difficult to really put names on it I just want us to see they've got they've got a month before the window shuts to fix that defence um, and if you look back at our highlights against um, Bournemouth from last Saturday in that friendly you'll see why we need to fix the defence so yeah, almost every single, every single goal was a, was a defensive error and it's like mm. common gold you know if you're not a West Ham fan you're laughing yeah, because it's that funny. Um, but you're yeah. a West Ham fan, and you're watching that, thinking we have literally got a week until the new season starts. Head, and head in hands. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, not good, man, not good. Um, I want to know a little bit more about you, though, James, um, because um, you know I follow you on Twitter. Um, I saw that you did uh, some bits involved in love sport. What's your what's your, what's your background? Are you, are you involved in media away from away from the pod? Yeah, I'm, I'm in sports media, um, predominantly football. I, I, I yeah. absolutely felt that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm in the industry. It's, um, I started out, I, I still work for a company called Snack Media, so they're a sort mm-hmm. of digital, digital sports agency that um, specialise in uh, website, football websites. They've yeah. got own, own and operate um, probably about 50, 60 websites, but then they've got another sort of four or 500 in their network that they represent from an advertising point of view. Wow. Um, and I, I look after the editorial on our own and operated sites. I mean, recently acquired Give Me Sport, which I'm sure everyone would have Yeah, Give of. Me Sport, yeah. Um, so we recently acquired them at the beginning of lockdown. Um, there's been a bit of a merger with, with those guys over there, which has been great. Um but then on the side, you know, I've done uh, TV work, radio work. Uh, so you mentioned Love Sport. Yeah. And then the podcast, We Are West Ham, which is kind of born out of um, born out of Love Sport Radio. We kind of, when they stopped broadcasting at the beginning of lockdown, we continued to do the show, but as a podcast, and it kind of went from there. So, um, oh, but yeah, I've sort of, you know, I'm... My, my boss always laughs that I turn up at the, the opening of an envelope when it comes to TV and radio, and it's, it's, it's half true, really. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant stuff. Right, the final question. What's your, what's your league position this year? <laughs> oh, no. Do you know what? Do you know what? Given what's happened over the last week, 10 days, um, I wouldn't be that annoyed if he finished somewhere like 16th. I just feel that um, I just feel that there's so much negativity around the football club at the moment um, that for for us to have a good season and by a good season I mean sort of comfortably 12th 10th or 12th mm-hmm. um, it would be a miracle David, David Moyes would have performed miracles uh, I just think that we're not in a good place at the moment and it will rub off on the players as much as we said earlier that they're, you know, they're on the fans' side. It's it's still not a great environment to be in for, for all parties really and I just mm. I just don't see 
all that going on, but us then going on and having a great season. I mean, it could happen. Uh, it's not impossible. Yeah, no, I just don't yeah. see it. So, I'll be, and the fact that you know we, we never follow up a good season with a bad season, and vice versa. So, yeah. Um, so this, this you are coming forth this year and then getting relegated next season is that that would be classic West Ham. Yeah, I'll take that, to be fair, actually. Um, no, I'm joking. I, I reckon between 13th and 16th will probably be us, and it'll involve a relegation battle, because it always does. Always does. I mean, like, I've been seeing talks about a takeover, but, you know, the, the, sta- the stadium looks like I think it'll be paid off in 2023, is it, or something? And the, and the value of the club will just go through the roof. There's a, there's a, fu- there's, there's a funny deal go, um, that the board signed that if they sell the club before 2023 then they have to pay the government a percentage of their profit or something um, as part of our, our, our lease agreement but after that yeah. we can sell the club they can sell the club uh, take everything out of it and whoever buys it can then rent the stadium again sort of thing so um, which is why the fans are a little bit worried that we've still got what three years left of Golden Sullivan um, it's going to be a long three years there's only so many times you can rip the seats out. Anyway, um, <laughs> James, thank you so much for joining me on to Pop. Um, make sure you subscribe to his channel. Um, all his details going down on the bottom down here. We are uh, there. We go. We are West. Uh, we are underscore West Ham. Follow him on Twitter. Have a look at all his West Ham uh, vibe and chat. Um, also, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Top Top Channel, YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Top Top Football. Ensure you then download Soccer Manager 2021 on the 14th of September. It's available on the App Store and on Google Play Store. And did you know? If you put to up top into Google, our name comes up first. Interesting, that. Thank you, and goodbye.